and welcome to the Fast Leader Podcast. HFL is producing the podcast to help the ongoing learning of our alumni of Fast Lead Small Group Coaching and Leadership Development Program. We are also making this series available to anyone else new to people leadership or who are just interested in refreshing their existing skills. At HFL, we're about helping frontline leaders lead better and be the best leaders they can be because every employee should have an inspiring leader. Hello, my name is Darren Fox, and I'm your Fast Leader MC, and this episode of Fast Leader Podcast is about how to engage and motivate your team in a crisis. Listen to this podcast if you want to either remind yourself or learn for the first time the seven typical employee motivators and how to spot them, how employers driven by these motivators are likely to be responding to the crisis and how you can help them, and how motivations quickly change, particularly in a crisis, and how, as a team leader, to stay in tune with what is going on for your employees and you. That is, these are three really clear value propositions for you as a people leader. While this podcast series focuses on our alumni and our first-time people leaders, this topic right now is probably front of mind of every manager on the planet. People are likely much more concerned about their health and the health of their family and friends than their actual job. But at the same time, millions of people have had to join the unemployment line, literally. Even if you and everyone around you have stayed healthy and you have kept your job, then you're still constantly being bombarded by the news and daily reality of lockdowns that for many can feel overwhelming. So how can we engage and motivate the people who call us their leader? Or is it even realistic to do so in this environment? In our virtual room today, we have Alistair Gordon, who's CEO and founder of HFL, also senior consultant, facilitator extraordinaire, and super coach. <laughs> welcome, Alistair. Well, if you're going to welcome me like that, I'm always available, Darren. Okay. Also in the room, we have Jeevan Joshi, who I've known for a number of years now, working together in L&D and capability. Jeevan has recently launched a, an interesting new enterprise, which uh, he'll talk about just at the end of this podcast. Thank you, Jeevan, and welcome. Thank you. I'm looking forward to the conversation today, Darren. Okay. We're going to get stuck right into it. So the first question I want to ask you guys is, is basically, you know, the most important, we've talked about this before, is the most often forgotten or neglected step to motivating others is to look after yourself first. We often talk about how important a healthy body is, a healthy mind in a stressful situation, and keeping your exercise going, get a good amount of sleep, eat healthy food. But after taking care of yourself with these basics, I'm wondering, what are you both doing to keep yourself engaged and motivated so that you can help others in terms of people in your team or, or your clientele? So, uh, Jeevan, how about we start off with you? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I'd like to say that I'm, I'm, you know, taking a lot of rest and just sleeping it off, but that's not the case. Uh, and it is quite challenging to, uh, you know, remain motivated. But, but I think, Darren, just uh, to your point, you know, just keeping yourself in physical shape is really important. And uh, the way that I do it is, uh, you know, by doing my 10,000 steps, which, you know, keeps me physically fit, but also gives me the chance to just, uh, you know, get away from the desk and, and reflect and, and uh, you know, crystallize all the work that I've been doing in, in my thoughts. Uh, so that's, you know, pretty important. I do set aside some time for myself to learn a new skill um, or, a, or a new topic. Um, so, you know, anywhere between 30 to 60 minutes every day. Finally, is to just remember that to focus on outcomes, um, because we all know that in in crises, the way that we normally do things gets disrupted. It's quite important, and I certainly do try and keep the outcomes in mind, uh, which keeps me, you know, kind of motivated to go 
go to it. I need to adapt the way I do things uh, and, uh, you know, change, but uh, I still know where the, the end goal is. Do you have one of those um, Fitbits or trackers that tell you the, what you've done 10,000 steps so far? Yes, yes, I do. And you can you can find me pacing at about 11.59 p.m. just to complete my 10,000 steps, you know, per day. <laughs> <laughs> Up and down the hallway. Okay. And uh, yeah, I really um, agree with that other statement you made around uh, putting aside time every day. So um, uh, my time every morning is at 7.30 in the morning, 30 minutes of learning, researching something. Uh, I don't even turn on my emails, just block that time out. It's so important. And it can also be a, a very much, of, you know, in terms of when things are stressful or, you know, the situation that we're now in, is that, is that the thing that you control? I can control my time. No one's going to take that away from me. That's my time to make sure that I'm learning and growing. And uh, Alistair, what are you doing to look after yourself to make yourself motivated and engaged so you can help your clients? Definitely not fitness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, so why don't I start there? Okay, well, unfortunately, it's definitely not fitness as much as I, I try and get out and walk. It's always five past 12 when I look at my watch and realize I've gone back to zero points. I think the thing that's keeping me motivated is the fact that um, I have a positive outlook and I think that actually as terrible as the crisis is, it's providing us with opportunities to think differently and do things differently. Um, And there's all sorts of things happening that, you know, we wouldn't normally see happening in my street and in our company and with our clients. So all sorts of really wonderful ideas and good behaviours are coming out because people are being supportive of one another. So I, I find that quite motivating. And um, I, I try and, you know, find two or three good stories a day that make me believe in human beings being nice to one another. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I've said it before in a previous podcast that uh, we all know we're going to get through this. There's absolutely no doubt we will get through this. There'll be some pain. But I also am absolutely convinced that the world's going to be a slightly better place because of what we're learning about each other and what's important and new ways of doing things. And um, uh, in terms of seeing some companies get quite innovative in terms of changing their products and how their services are done to stay in the game, it's actually quite inspiring. All right. So the next uh, question I have for you is in a situation like this, whether it's you know any sort of crisis or you know sudden change, you know as a manager you have to be really cognizant of the mo- what motivates your people, what are their needs, and what drives them. And once you tap into that, that could be a very powerful channel for a leader a leader to use. But in a crisis like this, when those needs or motivators may be perceived to be taken away, that can also have a very powerful effect uh, because the loss is probably more deeply felt than the gain. And we know that from human psychology. So within the uh, Fastly program, you know, we have seven different motivators that we list. Those seven motivators are achievement, affiliation, power and influence, balance and comfort, autonomy, security, and financial. So I think I might just turn to uh, both of you. And if both of you could just choose two or, or three or one, whatever you feel more comfortable with in terms of thinking about, well, how do you identify that driver motivator in your employees? And then within a situation like this, how do you make sure that that motivator is then met in some way? How do you compensate for perceived, what may be perceived loss of that motivator? Anybody want to volunteer to go first? Yeah, look, I can, I can uh, talk about, uh, you know, achievement. Thanks, Stephen. 
achievement is uh, such an important you know motivator for a lot of employees it's also something that gets measured and, and rewarded through the performance appraisal system um, so it, it's quite critical for you know employees to be engaged with having a sense of achievement but also having a sense that it is getting measured and it'll you know get rewarded i think the good thing though is that um, in in a crisis like this pretty much the whole organization kind of gets together so and, and you know helps out each other so we've seen you know instances in the business world where you know everybody's taking salary cuts just to make sure that people are not you know let go in, in jobs but kind of coming back to you know kind of motivation i think the basic principles of uh, just making sure that employees are um, you know still ha- have the sense of uh, or the need for achievement remain the same right and hopefully you know as as a team leader you you know you would have done hopefully you've done your homework at the beginning of the financial year where you've kind of clarified what the goals are and how do they manifest themselves and the first principles of achieving those remain the same so you know regardless whether you're going to the office or you're working from home uh, or you just have to defer your work for a little bit because you know you can't go out to the field and and uh, service a client um, is is to make sure that you're still focused on the outcomes and probably the manager also needs to adapt the metrics recognize that in normal circumstances the way that achievement is measured uh, needs to be adapted a little bit to make leeway for the unusual circumstances you know that we have what about you Alistair? so why don't i pick on one that's i think where the people are going to need quite a bit of help and that's security people who are motivated by security so the fast leaders who've been on the program will know that security motivated people are you know really worried about losing their jobs um, they're worried, really worried about becoming isolate, uh, obsolete in terms of their skills. You know, they're concerned about um, longevity of their employment, all those sorts of things. So currently, th- this is pretty much the worst possible scenario they could possibly have. Huge amounts of uncertainty, notwithstanding that in Australia, at least, the government is doing um, some some payment plans but people are losing their jobs right, left and centre. So I would think that most people who are security motivated would be feeling really, really worried and stressed right now. So it's a really good opportunity for the frontline leader to check in. So the question is, what would you do? And um, how do you provide security to someone in this sort of uh, difficult situation? I think the first thing you would do is you definitely want to check in with people that you think are security motivated. Explain to them what's happened. Be very transparent and give them things to do, I think, where they feel they can positively work towards um, improving their job security. So both of you have mentioned earlier in the podcast about extra learning, um, learning new skills, learning new technology. So anything that those people can proactively do to increase their likelihood that they will remain employed or will have a positive role post this crisis, I think those are the sorts of things you would be wanting to talk to them about. You know, security comes from a sense of control. What can I control to, to give my sense of control of my own destiny and help people find that? Where can they get that sense of security from? If not from knowing they're going to have a job tomorrow or not, but there's security that could be potentially found elsewhere. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I've had two direct conversations with uh, frontline people who are security motivated and they worry about the government support. The fact that the government is having to pay people uh, makes them more worried, not less worried. You know, they pick an amount. They, how am I going to survive on that amount? Um, oh, you know, whoa, the, the world is ending. They will focus on the small details that are right in front of them 
and want to talk to you about it for a very long period of time. So there's a danger for frontline leaders here that they get dragged into very long conversations where the security motivated person is expecting their frontline leader to solve the problem for them versus, as you're suggesting, making sure, well, what things can we control? How can we you know, move forward? So uh, these people will be, I would think, ringing uh, or talking to you as a leader all the time, like every day. They, what's changed? Has anything changed? So they're pretty easy to spot. They will be high maintenance, and you just need to make sure that you're giving them a sufficient amount of time without over-investing them at the expense of the rest of the team members. That's a good segue into another motivator, Alistair, which is affiliation. So one of the motivators that many people may have that work for a frontline leader would be the need to be part of a team, that sense of camaraderie, the, that sense of relation, the relationships that I have with team members at the office. And if you're working virtually, those people are going, going to struggle. So what can you do as a manager? So those are going to be the people who are asking to meet. They're probably going to be the ones identifying Zoom as a solution for you. They're probably the ones going to be investigating it for you, saying, this is how it works. These are the settings. I think I can make this work. What do you think, boss? And yeah, let them put it in place. Think of other ways of how they can maintain that connection. So you as a manager could also say, okay, how often can we come together? Should it be every day? Uh, Should we meet at at the end of the day or the beginning of the day? How about Friday, Friday night drinks as a team? Every Friday, let's connect over a drink. Uh, everyone brings a glass of wine to the screen. And we'll just have a chat in terms of how the week went and what we're going to do on the weekend. These people will be the people who go stir crazy first, I think. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. All right. Well, we're working down the list. Uh, the next one is power and influence as a motivator. Jeevan, what is your advice to frontline leaders? Yeah, look, this is an interesting one. So, you know, you obviously in a team have people who... Um, are, you know, I want to get more power and influence and obviously, you know, probably want to go up the, the career path. And usually they're, they're quite focused in, uh, you know, the effort they put in and, and the, the time they spend with their manager. And it does become quite difficult for people like those in, in an environment where everybody's not in the office and therefore doesn't have an opportunity to, you know, go talk to the boss and, you know, give them ideas. So for, you know, employees like that, I, th- I think you can rely on them to get in touch with you anyway, you know, either through the phone or, you know, they'll send you an email. So the, the thing would be to, you know, just balance the need to pay attention to them if they're doing something productive or they show up, you know? uh, But if they're just, you know, kind of hankering for jockeying for position and power, I think you just need to, you know, kind of just have a frank conversation with them, kind of telling them number one is that you as a manager are pretty busy and there are lots of priorities that a manager needs to handle and enroll their um, help in some of the very specific problems that, that you can give them and ask them to, you know, work in it. And once they come back, uh, you know, do give them the opportunity to share it with everybody so that they get the credit. I think, as Jeevan mentioned, that ability to have a conversation about what, what could you do that would be helpful for the team and helpful for you in your career? And what would be unhelpful in both of those scenarios? Because you really want, as Jeevan was suggesting, to focus them on how they can contribute and still move forward and uh, not suddenly get you know, negative and uh, critical of people. And um, certainly I have somebody who's motivated like this on one of my teams and uh, I get an email every 17 minutes. Great. Now so. we're all wondering who that is. <laughs> oh my God, is it me? Is it me? All right. Thanks, Alistair. Okay. So the next one would be uh, balance and comfort on the list. Is, is Alistair or Jeevan, which of you would like to take that one on? I'll take that on if I may. Um, Thank you. You know, how do you spot a balance and comfort person? Well, you, you, we know that they are very efficient. 
They work very hard to get a nice work-life balance. They might start early like you do, Darren, and, you know, sort of, I mean, you finish late as well, but quite often those people finish at sort of five and go and pick up children or whatever the case may be. They have a, they really love the rhythm and organization being organized. They like certainty about workload and deadlines. And so they're going to be hurting big time, I think, right now, because this is just for a start off, all sorts of people are working from home that don't normally work from home and they're very disruptive. Hours are all over the place. Everything's changed, basically. So I think people who like balance and comfort don't have any balance left and they're not comfortable. So it's it's not, not a good spot. I guess the question is, what would we do for them? And, you know, my immediate sense is that, you know, we need to help them get back a sense of rhythm. There's a very, very good piece of uh, work that I saw the other day, and we'll put it in the um, the session notes from a guy called Reg Polson. You can uh, Google him. He's worked from home for 25 years, and he did a piece about, you know, how do you build the rhythm of working from home the same as if you were going to the office? I think that type of content and help, getting people back into a rhythm and getting things structured would be very helpful for balance and comfort people by and large. I haven't read uh, Reg Polson before. I definitely uh, look him up. Another motivator that I might touch on is uh, autonomy. So in actual fact, it was sort of hard pressed to think, well, what, what would be the potential pressures in this situation of autonomy? One would think that perhaps even is giving people who are driven by autonomy even more autonomy. But I think what can happen there is Again, once again, it's a loss of control. So are the projects that I've been responsible for or been driving, are they still viable? I mean, I was just in a coaching conversation uh, this morning uh, with a manager who is questioning you know, some of the work that he and his team is doing. Is it really relevant right now when the company is just, we just got to get through this? Talking about you know, six months or, or 12 months seems to be too hard of a question. What they're responsible for, they're questioning it. And so again, where can a manager then help their people find autonomy? What can they own? What are the pieces of work that they can just grab and call it their own and still collaborate, but they've got their name on it? They're the one driving it. So find ways to create that sense of autonomy in your team. Sorry, Darren, can I just make a comment on autonomy? Um, if I was a frontline leader and uh, you know, we know that people who like working autonomously t- tend to be extremely smart, very efficient, get a huge amount of work done. But the downside is their lack of connection back to team, um, making sure that everybody's on the same page. And, and I think there's a danger that, you know, they could go even more rogue in this situation where everyone's working from home than they currently do. So um, I, I would be, if I had somebody on the team, um, and I do have several people on the team who love autonomy, you know, I'd be checking in and making sure they understand what the responsibilities for checking in are. They must turn up to the huddles. They need to let us know what they're doing. Um, so you check that they're okay, but you'd also check that they're still maintaining connection with the rest of the team. I guess that's why you and I meet all the time. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it makes sense now. Well spotted. <laughs> and maybe Alistair might turn to you around the last one, financial. Yeah, sure. Financial is very interesting. It's probably the most easy to spot in some ways. You know, when we're trying to figure out what motivates our team members, the person who comes and asks for a salary increase every seven hours and, you know, wants their their targets reduced every day for some reason or another, 
um, and they're very focused on, you know, what's in it for me, show me the money. Those sorts of people have been, generally speaking, reasonably easy to motivate because when there hasn't been a crisis because you give them a target and, you know, help them try and achieve it. And when they achieve it, they're very happy. You, we're now in a situation in most businesses where people who are very financially motivated are looking at a really negative financial situation in almost every respect. Firstly, if they did have you know, sales targets or financial targets or what have you, they're probably completely unachievable, as Dubin was mentioning earlier on, totally unachievable now. And the danger with people who are motivated in this way is they'll go into their shell and give up. Oh, there's nothing I can do. I can't sell anything to anybody. I can't hit a target. And there'll be all sorts of excuses and they'll lose energy and they'll lose you know, motivation. So what do we do with those people? Well, we have to recalibrate what is possible, you know, even to the point where, well, I, I could set you a, a new target. I probably can't afford to give you a financial bonus if you hit the target right now, but maybe downstream we can. You're putting dollars in the bank for later, potentially. You know, people who really make a big contribution during this period of time are the ones who are likely to get promotions and the full salary back and maintain their job and in the future because people will remember very clearly who stepped up during this crisis. Um, so those would be the sort of conversations I'd be having with financially motivated people. You, you won't see the money straight away, but you may well see it in the longer term if you can maintain your energy and focus through this period. Great. Thanks, Alistair. All right. So we, we went through quite a bit there. So uh, thank you both with all your hints and tips and advice. I think for our listeners, we might list out the categories and the times that they appear on the podcast on our fastlead.com website. So individuals might be able to go directly to that section if they want. Okay, that is the end of part one of our podcast. Part two will be right back with some advice for leaders to keep their people engaged, even if everyone is working remotely, and to take a wider view discussing what organizations can do to maintain engagement. Experts and technical specialists have never been more important or in demand. But that's not reflected in the leadership training they're given. Unlock the business potential of experts with Expertship, HFL's new development program for the individual contributors, technical specialists, and other experts in your organization. If innovation and business agility are important to you, learn more at expertunity.global. Welcome back. In the Fastly program, we define employee engagement as a deep and broad connection that employees have with a company that results in a willingness to go above and beyond what's expected of them to help their company succeed. Is engagement to the point of going above and beyond realistic in a crisis when your team is working remotely? Is it even appropriate right now to view employee engagement this way? Alistair, I think there's a sort of a quick one in terms of, is it appropriate right now to be spending you know, this effort and time on an employee engagement when many companies might be simply trying to focus, how do we get through the next two months, three months, six months? Yeah, so Jeevan's the expert in this area, but um, I'd say, and hopefully he agrees that this is more important time to think about it than ever before, because you're asking people to do very difficult things in extraordinary times. And if they're not engaged and they don't believe that you know you have their back as a leader and you're there to help them then it's very very easy for them to get discouraged and you know disengaged so I, I would have thought 
this is a time when actually leaders need to be thinking more about whether my my team are engaged and focused and what have you than ever before. I agree, Alistair, and I completely you know, I'm very pleased in a way that, uh, you know, there are companies that are going beyond profits. They're kind of putting people before profits. I think more than anything else, actually, this is the time for companies and management to actually prove their word. You know, normal circumstances, it's a lot of brochureware and, you know, information on company websites, which don't mean much. But you know, here's a situation where employees are in pain. Uh, there's uncertainty. There's about you know, job security. This, more than any time, is where actions speak uh, louder than words. If you can look after employees in this environment, they'll remember that for a very, very long time indeed. So I completely you know, agree with uh, you know, Alistair. So, but mind you, it's, it is a two-way street. Um, and I think employees also you know, become motivated to you know, contribute to the success or at least taking the company through this period of crisis. So completely agree with Alistair there. Can I just add, Darren, that you know, if we think about the role of the frontline leader in you know, employee experience, employee engagement right now, you know, very often frontline leaders have been thinking, well, it's, you know, it's what the HR team or the you know, organizational development team do, or it's, you know, what the head of people does or the CEO does with these great talks or what have you. And it's, you know, not necessarily something that I'm responsible for. But today, I think frontline leaders have got a huge role to play in this because a lot of people, as Jim is saying, at the senior level of the company are so worried about survival strategies and reducing costs and engaging with the government around X, Y, and Z, that sometimes their messaging is very impersonal, comes down from on high, uh, you know, it's very much sort of written from a, here's what we want you to do perspective. And, and some of those will, those policies and ideas will feel wrong to the individual contributors that are on our teams. So our, our job is to translate that and help our teams understand why, what's going on further up the organization and, and really focusing on you know, what we can do to stay together as a team, help each other as a team, um, help our customers. Um, I actually think in this area, um, frontline leaders are now probably more important than even senior management right now because they can make an individual difference to someone every day. That's actually a really good segue into the, the next question I had for you both. There's also a time, like you say, for organizations, uh, Jeevan, I think you were the one that said for them to step up for their employees. So perhaps like right now might be a, a fantastic opportunity for frontline leaders to step up and make some recommendations to their executive team in terms of what their organization should be doing for their employees to keep them engaged and, and motivated. So if you were advising a frontline leader who is about to make some advice to the boardroom table, what sort of advice would you be giving him? Jeevan, let's start with you. Yeah, look, to be honest, I'm a big fan of uh, frontline managers. I, th- I think they've got a very challenging and extremely difficult jo- job under normal circumstances trying to balance commands from the top. Alistair said previously, I think it's probably even more critical uh, role than than the senior leaders. And and really, it's, it's the frontline managers who really know what the situation on the ground is. Nobody knows their people better, what motivates them and, and uh, you know what discourages them. It's certainly uh, extremely, you know, important for frontline managers to step up, you know, which is already a challenging task. But again, at least in this case, uh, there is less of corporate speak and corporate pressure. It's more authentically helping your team members perform in their jobs uh, and keep their jobs and, you know, help the company survive and, and you know, hopefully grow when the conditions are over. This is a time to prove themselves. Um, even more than than before. Okay. So if you were advising a frontline leader to give some advice to the executive team about what to do, a frontline leader should be speaking with authenticity, 
be open and honest and transparent about the situation, communicate what how we're going to help, what we're going to do to look after employees. Spot on. Brett, Spot on. Thanks. Down. What about you, uh, Alistair? I think the advice I would give a frontline leader, well, before I gave them any advice, the first thing I would say to them is, this is your moment. This is your moment where everybody at a senior level in the organization is on the lookout for good ideas. And very often, frontline leaders come up with lots of good ideas and they just disappear you know, into the middle managers and, and higher echelons and never see the light of day. But right now, if you've got a good idea or better still, your team has come up with a good idea to save money, serve customers in a different way, pivot some capability into a new area, this is the time where you're going to get listened to. But the first thing I would do is to suggest to people that they have the courage to put them forward to senior people directly, see seeing your own managers, if your own managers aren't listening, because every idea is now a good idea until proven otherwise. And if you look at the news every every night, most of the best ideas, as Jeevan was saying earlier, have come from frontline leaders because they're closest to customers, they're closest to what's going on. They can see the opportunities that a CEO and a CFO can't see. So be courageous, be proactive, get your team together, come up with some ideas, think them through and send them up with lots of confidence inside the organization. Yeah, I totally agree with the idea of for any leader that this actually is your time to show, improve your mettle in, in this sort of situation. That's a podcast in its own right, right there. Oh, nice. What yeah. are recruiters going to be asking people in 12 months' time? Yeah. You know, what did you do during in the war, honey? That's a superb idea. It's good. Yeah, definitely. Jeevan, as the expert, the resident expert in employee experience and engagement, would you like to say a few words in terms of what your exciting new enterprise is? Thanks, Darren. Uh, yeah, I'm quite, quite passionate about uh, what is called employee experience. I've set up something called EX Assembly or Employee Experience Assembly. It's basically a community of HR professionals and people managers to you know kind of get together uh, with a view of building and designing solutions that are you know focused on the employee so it kind of starts with what the employee needs as the uh, starting point so we've got webinars we've got meetups in sydney and melbourne uh, you know planned in brisbane there's absolutely no cost to attend and uh, what we're doing is through the ex assembly is encouraging hr and people managers to think and take more the employee's point of view excellent thank you jeevan thanks everyone and uh, thank you to alistair for joining us at this podcast thanks darren and we'll see everybody later at our next podcast in a couple of weeks thank you thank you for listening to the fast leader podcast i'm darren fox chief research officer and principal consultant at hfl you can email us at info at with any questions but really we'd love to hear ideas about topics for future podcasts You can also check out the FastLead website, fastlead.com, for supporting material from this podcast. Watch out for our future podcasts as we explore each of the 14 FastLead topics in more detail and discuss some of the latest management research, news, and topical issues of the day. And until next time, this has been the FastLead podcast. Thank you. (laughs) 